127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry, 127 at FBC Brian. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in a relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 what it do, podcast crew? Honestly, can't really hear my my key currently because uh, a little sicky over here. It was good. It was? Yeah. It was on, on key? I think so. Really? That's uh, the first time I think I've ever sung on key, though. Was it a little off, but just like didn't sound terrible? Uh, I liked it. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. What do sure. you think, Caleb? I don't know. I don't have perfect pitch, so. You don't have perfect pitch? I mean, it seemed on key to me. Can you give me a sample of like a worship song right now? I could, but I won't. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it like, do like a Christ Be Magnified, a little Cody Carnes. <laughs> I don't know if I have that kind of range right now. Okay, what about some Chris Renzema, um, Ethan's favorite artist? I have never listened to a single <laughs> song. <laughs> by, I don't even know what you just um, said. There's there's a, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Which song do you want me to sing? Uh, there's God is Love. You could do like Faith. Okay. The But I don't know if I can sing that right now. I, again. Why not? My voice isn't the most pleasant either. I've been feeling sick too. I want to hear it. No, nah, I don't think. I want to be blessed. I don't think the people want to hear it. What you got in those chords over there, Ethan? Nothing. Nothing? I mean, I got something, but you know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> is it like not on command? I, I that, don't... Yeah, sure. Okay. I don't want to sing. Like, we're all sick. Right now, because I would cough <laughs> in the middle of it. Yeah. And then it would it would not be That's good. okay. We all see each other five days a week in the same office space. That's true. We do. We all like are around each other. Almost, It feels like nonstop. Yeah. Like, it feels like well, I That's always true. see you guys. And so one by one, we all just get sick. Everybody that works in that portable out there, oh yeah, is gonna get sick. Like yeah. it started with Joanna, then it went to me, then it's John, and then next thing I know, like Zach is going down. Caleb think, is like, I'm a little sick. I think I may have been start. I think I think I started Steak. that though because I think I was sick before John. That's why really? he said he got it from KJ, but I started to get sick even before the podcast. My throat was super dry. Really? And like kind of scratchy. And then Friday, really started to feel it. Then went to that retreat. Yeah. Didn't help at all. It's a great retreat, by the way. But sickness-wise, did not help. Yeah. Now, listen, I'm no doctor, right? Uh, disclaimer. But I didn't think bronchitis was contagious. I had no idea. Is it? Or is that? Again, I'm no doctor. I, thought, I, I thought that was something you got told by John or something. No. I just don't think it is like it. I just have never. I don't think I had bronchitis. Like I've never heard of bronchitis as something that's going around like the flu, you know? Bronchitis itself is not contagious. There you go. But some, but some of its causes are. Maybe I should have been a doctor. Mm. Yeah, I think you should have been. Yeah, I think it was me though, because I was sick like in January and then <laughs> I don't think I ever really healed. I don't think it. <laughs> January? <coughs> Yeah. I think if you're still unhealthy by then, you should probably go to a doctor. I mean, I did. And I did like two weeks ago and I got some medication. Really? So it was, I didn't hear about this. You definitely did. What um, did you get? Like, what did they I would say like, you had? It was Teladoc. So it was just like oh. common, common cold, stuff like that. But the just common cold. But I mean, I think a lot of that was not getting any better because I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I think, I mean, I don't know if I was the one that brought it to everybody, but I, I do think that I have been sick for a lot of the semester. I think maybe I got it from you then. Yeah, I think that you might did. Be, might be what know. happened. I had um, COVID and flu. Yeah, you were down. At the that. same time, I was dead. Yeah. I like didn't get out of bed for two days. I don't blame you. Uh, and I went to the doctor like afterwards because I thought maybe I'm like developing bronchitis. And he was like, no, you're just, you know, you're 32 years old and you had the COVID and the flu at the same time. Yeah. He's like... Normal people, like healthy 20-year-olds, when they get COVID, they are, like, feeling its effects for, like, yeah. four to six weeks after they're done with, like, normal symptoms. Really? And he said, you're not 20, uh, and so it's going to take a lot longer for you to kind of get over it. They last and, that long? And you had the flu on top of it. So I was just like, well, how long is this going to take? And he goes, it could be, like, May before you're, like... Done coughing, no done way. with like the sore throat stuff, done with the uh, like congestion. And oh I was just gosh. like, I don't want this. So I just immediately started taking like as much vitamin C <laughs> as is humanly it, possible. Is it helping? I think so. Like I wake up um, in the morning and I don't have like it's not I don't have a headache. There's no kind of cloud, yeah. you know. Mm. And so I'm a big believer now in vitamin, vitamin C. C. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Next thing is essential oils, right? Oh, Just, please no. I've heard though. I've heard though. <laughs> they actually have some pretty positive. I've never used them before, but like some actual research that's coming out that's yeah, like very positive benefits. Whether sure. it's like, I mean, I, I take away the religious experience behind essential oils oh. and, and just like you know, I didn't know there was one. There is, yeah. Oh. Like people will sit with them and think it like induces and gives them I knowledge. Don't, I, don't know, like, man. Eh, I don't know about that. It's not a believer. Not a believer. We have essential oils. And I will say, <clears throat> when Melissa puts like the citrus one in a diffuser, yeah, he cranks that bad boy up in the living room. It's way better than a candle. Really? So I'm a believer of essential oils in uh, a space to smell. Okay. Mm. Yeah, like but I'm not going to rub like lemongrass under my left eye in order to like not have allergies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. Those are that, wild. That can't be real, right? <laughs> like, I think we can all agree if you're listening and you. Uh, you can talk to Ethan about it. Yeah, yeah. Come convince me. Yeah, I mean, I had a friend. Um, we won't say we won't say her name, but I had a friend in in high school that say she it. say it. Did she go here? No, she's. Oh, you're fine then. No, yeah. her, her name was. Just listen to this. Her name was Caroline, but she Caroline. She told me one time that she had never used like pers- like uh, she had never used like over the counter drugs like ibuprofen or. There's Tylenol. no way. Because she said that her family uses like used as used essential oils for those kind of things. So like Tylenol, ibuprofen, she had never heard of it. But like if you got a cold or something, I guess you just use essential oils or whatever. Which one? I, I don't know. Lemon, the conversation tree grass. Drop it in the comments. What essential oils are <clears throat> meant to take headaches away? Yeah, lemon tree grass, dirt. Soil. <laughs> dirt. I rub <laughs> dirt oil on my head. It helps all the time. Well, y'all don't have a lot of faith in uh in essential oils, but that's okay. Not very much. They smell good. Yeah. They got some some benefits. But that was a great transition because today we are talking about faith. The simple question of what is faith. And so I guess just to pitch it y'all's way, um, whether this is just like a a normal dictionary definition or from a religious context, like how would you guys define faith in today's context? I mean, Hebrew says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things unseen. Uh, and so it's the, 
the trust or the assurance like you are hoping for things that you have not seen um, and the conviction of uh, what did I say? The assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things unseen. So Mm -hmm. in a religious context, in a biblical context, faith is trusting God who is largely unseen to you and to, to most of the people of Israel, right? Nobody saw God except for um, Moses saw like, the scriptures say his his back for for lack of a better term, but nobody saw God, and so they had to trust. They had to have um, the conviction of the things that were unseen that He was real, that He cared for them, that they were His people. They had to, and they had to have an assurance, uh, a hope that that they could they could trust Him, they could rely on Him, they could depend on Him. So I would say it's 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 those two things: assurance and, and conviction. Yeah. yeah, I don't think as far as scripture goes, I don't really think that there's like a better description of that. I would kind of echo all of those things for sure, but also add in there an expectancy Hmm. uh, of God to move. I think faith is the expectation that God one is who he says he is and two will do what he says he will do. And so um, our faith is defined by what we're, willing to believe God has the power to do. Hmm. Um, and I know that we're going to get into kind of biblical examples later, so I don't want to jump right into that, but I think that scripture Romans yeah, kind of would back up that argument of faith is being sure of what you hope for. Um, and you know, expectant of things not seen. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think he, Hebrews 11, one, uh, is the perfect definition, the perfect biblical definition of faith. I think faith is such a highly discussed topic in the secular realm as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Christianity is not the only uh, religious set of beliefs out there, but faith in something is a belief that that thing will help you, yeah, yeah, uh, get you through, uh, reward you in some way. And so, like, I've got faith that when I run on the treadmill, my lungs will be better or I'll, you know, I'm bettering my body. Yeah, bettering my body. But that faith in my work uh, on the treadmill or my work in health or whatever uh, is not, I don't think, like, something that I can expect power in. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you when you sit in a chair, um, here's the chair example. Uh, yeah, I'll use the chair example. When you sit in a chair, you expect the chair with four legs, hopefully, to hold you. Some chairs have three legs or two legs, but you expect that you expect that chair to hold you, and you have the faith. Two legs. Stool. Can we stop a stool? Yeah, like with you, two legs. Like you could have one where it's like the like the almost like that, but that has four. I know, but like suppose that the two legs were in the center. Um, There's like, no way that would work. Like you, if let me look this you up. either have a stool that technically has one leg, or a, another stool that has three. I, I think I've seen chairs with two legs. All I'm saying There's is that no yeah, the, I guess kind of the suppose you have a chair and you when you sit in it kind you uh, are expecting it to hold you, and so you have the faith that kind of <laughs> even when you are unsure of whether or not this thing will hold you, I'm gonna leap take a leap of faith and I'm gonna I'm gonna put my trust in this chair. Yeah, almost. Uh, and so I like, like with the analogy that he said about his health, about running on a treadmill or really anything, it's, it's expecting, 
uh, and putting confidence in the things that you cannot control, right? Like we have no control over whether or not the chair is going to hold us. I can't look at a chair and say, hey, chair, you're going to hold me. Because if the chair is is um, breaking, if the legs are loose, then it's going to collapse. And so I think that's like it's really a lot about about what faith is, is that we don't really have the power to control God. We don't have the power to control his movement, to control his nurture for us or to, to really um, have any, any sort of authority over God. And yet we have to, our, our call is to trust him in faith because ultimately we're, we're not in control. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I think we, I think we though too kind of calculate even in our minds, the probability of putting faith in things that we trust um, because with chairs, we sit in so many chairs and they don't break. And so every time we sit down in a chair that has four legs, has three legs that look sturdy, we sit down expecting to be seated. Yeah. Same thing with your car, which is a, a very prime <laughs> example currently. When you get in your car, you estimate the amount of time to get to a certain place, calculating that you've put it in your fit, you've put faith in your car to start when you press the start button or to start when you uh, turn the ignition, right? Um, and so even the earthly definition is just complete trust or confidence or someone or something. And I think we, we kind of neglect the idea that, that we're trusting and putting faith in so many things, um, in our day to day lives. And so we can't just, uh, think about the scriptures. We can't think about our relationship with God without faith being kind of the cornerstone, uh, because again, we're putting faith, we're putting trust in something. Um, and so that has to be sort of this foundation, um, that we land on. So um, kind of jumping to, to what you said, Ethan, how, how is faith described in the new Testament and kind of the perspective that, that we have a belief in Jesus, Jesus has come, he's rescued his people. Like how is faith described, uh, within the latter half of the Bible? I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> a lot of the descriptions of faith come with, um, the, the idea of righteousness, so faith is our belief in Jesus, which gives us righteousness before God. Yeah. God's wrath had to be satisfied. Christ came down, sacrificial lamb, satisfied God's wrath, covered us in his blood. So when we go up to heaven, we stand before the Father blameless because we're covered uh, in the sacrificial blood, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. That's called righteousness. Yay. Okay. So our faith in Christ grants us or credits to us righteousness. Um, so Romans 4 is a rundown of Abraham, right? And his kind of faith in God. So this is like also an Old Testament example that leans into New Testament um, Jesus righteousness. And so um, Romans 4, starting in uh, verse 18, he says this. Um, it's talking about like him having to leave his home to seek the promised land. He says he believed... As, as well as, like, being a father. Uh, he believed, hoping against hope. I just love that phrase. Like, he believed, yeah. hoping against hope, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what had been spoken. So will your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body to already be dead, and also the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver in unbelief at God's promise, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God because he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he had the power to do. Therefore, his faith was credited to him 
as righteousness. Mm. Then it gets to us. Not it was credited to him was not written for Abraham alone, but also for us. It will be credited to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, our Lord from the dead. Uh, He was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Like faith in Christ uh, credits to us a righteousness in which we're able to enter heaven and walk hand in hand with him one day. Hmm. And I just love that Abraham's faith was credited to him because he was fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's the expectation of God being able to do what he can do. Yeah. And just believing that and knowing it. Yeah. I mean, I think new Testament context, and this will help connect us to old Testament when we get there. But I think again, we're, we're studying the book of Hebrews, right. In Bible study, um, we mentioned Hebrews 11, one, you look at the rest of Hebrews 11, right. It's, it's often called the hall of faith chapter, Yep. Mm-hmm. right. You, you look at Hebrews 13, seven, which says, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith, right? It's the word, the piston, right? Faith. And so when we, when we think of, of faith there, it's again, just a, a call to, to remember almost, right? Hebrews thirteen seven. remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider, remember the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so if you just remember who are these, these leaders, who are these people that he's referring to? Well, it's the people of Hebrews 11 in the Old Testament. That there goes phone. his phone. Uh, it's the people in, in Hebrews 11. <laughs> He's still talking to the people. That, <laughs> that is awesome. That believed the promises of God, right? You, you look at Hebrews 11, um, 4. By faith, Abel offered to God. That's the really one of the first people that could have had faith, right? You look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place. Yep. Um, by faith, verse 11, Sarah herself received power to conceive... Uh, by faith, verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. By faith, verse 21, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of God. Um, the verse before that, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months. And so you see in each of these uh, mentions of faith, there's always this uh, contingent action after that that demonstrates their faith. And so again, we have to remember that faith is the belief, the conviction, I guess is the word yeah. that I want to use for, that when you trust something fully, yep. you carry out action as a product of that. Yeah. Again, let's use the chair analogy. We believe and we trust because we've sit in millions of chairs in our lifetime that this chair is going to hold us. Right When we get in our car, hopefully, we... <laughs> um, <laughs> We, we trust that it's going to take us where we need to go. It's going to, it's going to take us, uh, it's going to push us forward, hopefully. Um, because we've, we've gotten many cars before and that's, that's been the case. Yeah. And so faith, again, it's the conviction that in the new Testament, that because the people of God in the past could trust him because he was faithful, we in Christ and I have the ability to trust him again and still because he is faithful and because of our faith. We carry out these actions that demonstrate the faith that we, we, we so proclaim. Mm, that's good. You kind of got me down a, a rabbit hole uh, a little bit because you mentioned that Abel was the first one who could really demonstrate faith. And so what about Adam and Eve? Um, obviously, in the presence of God, like does did they require faith? Did they require trust? Like, 
I think we'll get to other Old Testament examples, but even before sin enters the world, yeah. Um, like how how does that work? <clears throat> I mean, did, did Moses have faith? Yeah. Did Jacob, who became Israel <laughs> after he wrestled with God, right? So the people that have come face to face with God, if the our working definition of faith is Hebrews eleven, being sure of the things not seen. So you come face to face with God. Do you, could you still have faith? Because now the things are things are seen. Yeah. Right. Um, that's a good question. Caleb thoughts. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, he just like <laughs> the way he turned the question Answer to that you. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, Hebrews 11. Again, <coughs> if you look at verse one, it's the, the one that we mentioned at the beginning. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for the convictions of things not seen. For it, for by it, the people of old received their commendation, right? By their faith, they received their justification, their approval, basically. By faith, we understand that the universe, so he's setting up this lofty argument that faith was um, how we understood that the universe was created by the word of God. And so at that point, faith was created or like, I guess, instituted is a better way to say that at the creation of the world, because for those, for Adam and Eve, they had to believe they had to trust that when they were created in the Garden of Eden, that God created everything by his word uh, so that what what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Right. So Adam and Eve, did they have faith? Well, they had to. They had to trust that the, the creator who they have now been given tremendous purpose by, they had to believe that, hey, he created everything out of nothing. Right. And so again, just I think that's an important thing to remember. Also, too, in Hebrews eleven, notice the chronological um, order of things. Right? I, I mentioned verse four, Abel. Then verse eight, Abraham. Um, then you have later Moses. So he's going down in the order. Israelite history. Right. And then you get to uh, thirty-two. It says, "For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David, and Samuel and the prophets." So he's going all throughout the Old Testament to remind you that it's always been by faith, who through faith, verse 33, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Um, And then in verse 39, really the summary, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And then he goes into the passage we, we have on the back of our t-shirts, you know, Hebrews 12. And I think that that's important because he's extending there. Not only do the people of the Old Testament have this faith that is tr- in trusting in the promise of God and, and is carried out by their action. So we now, the church, can have faith in Christ, the, the image of God, who has given us the ability to receive the promises that the Old Testament people could not experience. And that's the promises of, again, Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right? And so I, I think, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> again, it's everybody has had the opportunity to have faith. Adam yeah. and Eve, um, mm-hmm. Eve. even Adam though they, Eve. you know, even though they maybe saw God and they, and they were, they had a clearer picture of God apart from sin that we did, they still had to trust God. They still had to trust that he was the creator of the universe. Yeah. Um, and that he was, was going to promise them great things. It's good. Just going to shout out another podcast episode. Do you have some? 
I do, but I want to okay. hear that. I, I was just going to say, we have done an episode on faith and works. The kind oh, of yeah. James, yep. Jamesian, it's not a word, but I'm going to use it, uh, <laughs> yeah. ideology of, of works, always follow your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not a faith in God, your works are going to prove that and show that what you have faith in. Yeah, I think probably one of my favorite examples of faith in scripture is uh, Centurion's faith, yeah. Matthew mm-hmm. 8. Yeah. And so this... Uh, leader, uh, the Saturian is, uh, has a servant who's lying at home, just kind of really struggling physically. He's paralyzed, can't move, just probably crying out. Um, and Jesus is approached by this guy and he's like, Hey, my servant is lying at home paralyzed. Like he's, he doesn't feel good. <laughs> and Jesus is like, am I come, am, am I to come and heal him? And the centurion says this, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers mm-hmm. under my command. I say to this one, go, he goes, come, he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Hmm. Jesus then was amazed and said to those following him, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. Hmm. And so... um the simplicity of this soldier understanding that when Jesus says something, it's done. It's good. Uh, the understanding that even in his life and in his authority, he tells somebody to go do something and they go and do it. He says, Hey, come over here. They come over here or whatever. And that understanding enables Jesus to see a faith in him when this soldier is like, you have the power hmm. to heal him just by saying the word. You don't even, you don't even have to come. Like yeah. you don't have to be there. You don't have to travel to the home to see him. All you have to do is just say the word. Hmm. Uh, and then he says, I tell you that many will come from East and West to share the banquet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Um, there, there seems to be so many ties to Old Testament, especially those three, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, of, of just these acts of faith and uh, stepping out and, and getting uncomfortable. And so, yeah, I just, man, to have a simple faith as to just know with conviction mm-hmm. and a hope that Jesus can do what he can do like just, yeah. just knowing that what Jesus says uh, he has the power to do. Um, and I pray that we all have that kind of simple faith. Yeah, that's good. Reminds me of, uh, I'm going to forget the passaging probably quote me on it. Uh, having a childlike faith, I think goes into that, um, where obviously you're maturing in your faith, but there's always this sense of whatever my father says goes, uh, whatever he says in his scripture is true. Um, just as a child, when they go to their, to their father and their father says, don't do that. Uh, and maybe they complain for a little bit, but they know it's in their best interest. Um, that's the same way that we should be operating within, within our faith, knowing and trusting that, that our God is, is sovereign over the things happening within our lives. Uh, he stands outside of time. And so he sees every perspective playing into our current circumstances that we just don't see. Um, having those moments to, to be able to step out and, and have faith in the one um, who is in control of it all, I think is wildly important. Um, we've hit on some Old Testament examples, and I, I think the large question that I think kind of looms with Old Testament faith is how are people in the Old Testament saved? Because um, there's there's a large debate about 
was it following the law? Was it placing faith in God? But Jesus wasn't there yet. So how does that happen? Um, so how would you guys kind of describe of what's kind of faith rendered? How is it rendered in the Old Testament? Yeah, I, I just want to, again, before we even get to the Old Testament, I, I just want to mention again, Hebrews 4, right? Hebrews 4 verse 2 says, For good news came to us just as to them. And who is the them there? Well, if you just read um, chapter 3 or before that, verse 19, we see that they were a, unable to enter because of unbelief. And so he's mentioning in Hebrews 4 verse 2 that the Israelites within the time of the wilderness in the book of Numbers, they did not enter the promised land because they did not believe. Hebrews 4, 2. Because they were not united by faith. And so we have to understand that when we read the Old Testament, when we read the book of Numbers, or when we really read the entire Old Testament and we see that the Israelites don't enter the promised land, we must see that it's not primarily because of their sin. Because the writer of Hebrews makes the point that they did not enter because of their unbelief. And if you're questioning, well, that's just a New Testament idea, let me read this to you in, uh, in Numbers 14, um, verse, I think it's, let's see, verse 20. Um, no, it's not Numbers 14, it's Numbers 20. So they, they complain against God, they, they come back from the, the land after they've spied it out, and they complain, they grumble. And then they grumble again in Numbers 20. Um, and in Numbers 20, um, verse, says, verse 12 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Um, and again, he, that's when he's referring specifically to Moses. Uh, but again, I, I think it's in Numbers 14. I'm going to find it Numbers real 12. quick. Verse 12. Are you talking about... Uh, when like Aaron and Miriam are outside of the tent and God shows up and is talking to him? No, uh, I found it. It's in Hebrews um, 14, verse 26. That's the oldest. 27. Numbers, verse, or Num- chapter 20. Not Hebrews. No, no, no. So Numbers 14, verse 27. How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and all of your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me. No one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except the Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, whom you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this I will do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness, they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. And you see, again, why is that? It's not only because of their sin. It's because they did not believe the Lord God, right? So they did not enter the promised land, which I try to make this parallel so many times, but when the book of Hebrews references like eternal rest, right? It it mentions salvation, what we think of heaven. The parallel for that in the Old Testament was the promised land. Yeah. Because again, God had not mentioned, oh, this is what happens to you after you die in the Old Testament. The salvation of Israel was their freedom from uh, their enemies, right? The promised land. 
you go to for, or 2 Kings chapter 17, right? The people are now in the promised land. They've been blessed by God. And yet in 2 Kings 17, God promises exile. Um, and he says in verse um, 14, but they would not listen, but were stubborn as their fathers in the wilderness had been who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and the warnings that he gave them. They went after false idols and became false and they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had abandoned them that they should not do like them. And so uh, verse seven or but before that he mentions that they will then fall. And so again, in, in the wilderness before they went to the promised land and, and in the promised land before they were exiled, they were judged. They, they, did not experience salvation in that sense, which was earthly in that, in that sense, because they did not believe the Lord God. Hmm. And so it bothers me when, when people look at the Old Testament and they, and they read the Old Testament and they say, well, these people were saved because of their, their sacrifices or because of their obedience to the law. To which I would tell you, many of the people within the Old Testament sacrificed and were not saved from the exile, were not saved from um, getting to enter the promised land. It always has been, and it always will be by faith. They did not believe in me. And because of that, they will not be saved. Hmm. So do you think that they were, they were believing in God for the foundation of salvation that they just didn't see yet? They were placing their faith in Jesus. They just didn't know who he was yet. Would that be the, the connection? Are you saying, like them having faith in God, they were still trusting in the blood of Jesus to cover their sins. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it, again, it goes to Hebrews 11, right? Faith is the assurance of things <laughs> hoped for and the conviction of things unseen. He's speaking yeah. in the writer of Hebrews to largely Jewish believers. And so again, like you, why does he mention again, Abraham, Abel, Moses, all these people who did not have the blood of Jesus. And yet they were believing they were trusting in the in the things that were unseen that the god who met them who promised them would be faithful to bring about their salvation yeah. right um abraham right he he believed that god was going to bring him to the land of um of canaan and so this this mentions another point but so often I, i've heard it said in in sermons before but so often in in the christian bubble we we tend to think of faith as really uh, the, like the, the matter of faith when really we ought to consider the object of faith. And so in that, in that sense, Abraham, even if they didn't, you know, know to believe specifically in Jesus, they were believing in the, in the same God who has, has been forever eternal. Yeah. And so it's really, it's the object of our faith. That's important. Do we trust God? That's good. If faith is credited to us as righteousness, then how did Old Testament followers of God earn righteousness. Yeah. My voice also just got super deep. And so I'm going to take a drink of water <laughs> while you guys answer that question. That's a good question. Do you want me to, do you want to answer before? It's all you quickly. No, I mean, in Genesis 15, six, uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness is what he's referencing. And again, like they, they believed God. <laughs> they trusted the things that God told them. And again, for the Israelites, Again, I, mean, I want to make this distinction, but Moses went on to, to Mount Sinai and Moses came down and told the people the law, Yeah, right? Moses, they, they didn't see God. 
face to face. They didn't, and even Moses didn't see him face to face, but they didn't have a uh, visible representation of God. For the Israelites, when the tabernacle and the temple were there, they couldn't enter into the most holy place and see the presence of God. And yet they had to trust that what they heard was true and believe it in their hearts. And in doing so, in believing, you and me today, when we um, trust that the things that we've heard are true and we believe them in our heart, we are then justified. That's what Romans talks about. Hmm. So, so in, in the Old Testament, Numbers 12, I think it's seven, verse 7, talks about Moses' faith, right? It, that's what it says. Uh, the Lord meets Miriam and Aaron outside of the tent, uh, shows up as a cloud, and is like, hey, guys, you're rebelling because you're racist, because your brother married somebody who's not yeah. an Israelite. Uh, you need to understand that your brother has faith. I don't speak to him in riddles. I don't conceal myself from him. Like I have a face-to-face conversation with him in which I'm very clear. uh, This is your brother, Moses. He has faith, right? But how were the people of God made righteous or cleansed of their sins in the Old Testament? Yeah, I mean, they, the lambs, sacrifices, right? So they would, they would make, uh, holy and pleasing, holy and pleasing sacrifices to the Lord. Oftentimes, and probably the best example that we have right now that we can like throw in this podcast is uh, a priest would uh, like ritualistically <laughs> cover this spotless lamb yep. uh, in the sins of the people, and then they would sacrifice it. They would present it as a burnt offering to the Lord. Uh, the Lord would then cleanse His people, right? These, this act of righteousness, this act of being made righteous is an Old Testament example of faith. But does that mean, as we were saying, and I think that this is probably a part two podcast, <laughs> is when we have faith in Christ, we know that the end reward is eternity with him. Yeah. So your original question leaned into that a little bit right? Like yeah. what is the example of faith in the old Testament? And then where do people, when they die, <laughs> where did old Testament people go, yeah. you know, or, or, so again, we know that there are examples from the old Testament of people having faith in him. We know that in the old Testament, people had faith in God's salvation for them. I think the Psalm and Deuteronomy and Exodus and Genesis will speak to when people are, alone when they're wandering through the desert and manna starts falling from heaven when Moses strikes the rock and water starts gushing out because his people are thirsty. When all this stuff happens, they believed in God. They were faithful towards God that they, when they needed manna, it fell. When they needed water, it came from a rock. When they needed salvation from a, a warring neighboring country, they got it. Yeah. You know? And so, the, the theological question of where do Old Testament um, people who are faithful go when they die, that's going to draw us away from this conversation of what is faith. Yep. Um, and so, again, I, the Old Testament faith is seen through the eyes of righteousness in the New Testament, mm-hmm. right? So Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith, uh, Romans 4, Matthew 8, all of those examples of faith from the Old Testament come with the understanding that it was righteousness given, 
it was a, a credit of righteousness on the believer. Yeah, I found what I was looking for. I don't know. Ethan may have said it, but Numbers fourteen eleven. The Lord said to Moses, "How long will this people despise me, and how long will they not believe in me, in spite of all of the signs that I have done among them?" And so, again, he mentioned the the sacrifices of the lambs and the goats. And when the people did that, remember, only the high priest could offer the sacrifice. You'd have to bring your animal to the high priest and he would offer it. And so even in that, it required faith that I am doing this because God has said that when I do this in faith, he will cover my sin. Yeah. Right. That, that requires faith. (coughs) Yeah. And so again, like the, for the old Testament believer, they, without even realizing it, that, that when they did those things in faith, when they offered their sacrifices and their animals, they were saying, ultimately that was being fulfilled in Christ that eventually I will be able to have once and for all atonement for all of my sin. Even though I'm right now, I'm, I'm trusting that God is atoning for my sin now, right? It's not just about this action of, Oh, I do this thing so that I'm saved. It's, it's believing in God, believing that he will cover you despite your sin. And again, that's, that's numbers 14, 11. How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? Yeah, that's good. Y'all have any, because I think we've, we've reached some really high reaching theological <laughs> connections, sure. uh, which again, probably should be titled a different podcast when we get there, uh, if we do this next week, but, uh, for the people, the, the kind of final five encouragements for like, I, I kind of understanding what faith might be within the old Testament, but also new Testament context, maybe I'm struggling in my faith and my trust and belief in God. Like what, what encouragements, what kind of pointers or directions could you send them in to yes, increase their faith, but also I think just understand the heart of God more. Um, cause I think when you do that, your faith begins to multiply. Um, and so I guess just kind of final five encouragement. Cause I think we've, we've hit some pretty high things. Like what's the take home uh, for the people listening? Not all at once. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, Trusting in the Lord is hard to do and you don't spend any time with him. <laughs> right. Um, and so I'll always, always, always preach um, to spend, to spend time with him. Yeah. You know? And so kind of scripturally uh, an encouragement would be like Psalm 62, resting God alone, my soul for my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and glory depend on God, my strong rock. My refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is our refuge. Yeah. You know, my, my faith becomes more alive and more real the longer I spend with Christ. And so through prayer, uh, through scripture, through meditation, through serving his people. Um, my faith is made more real. And so, but uh, for me, it's easy to say this to teenagers, like you're not going to understand who Jesus is unless you talk to him, mm-hmm. unless you hear from him. So yeah. read your Bible and pray, uh, cause that's called communication and that's what you got to do with the people you love. <laughs> and so if you claim that you love God, then you got to spend time with him. Yeah. Uh, the same way, like I have a wife, Melissa, if I never talked to her, yeah. uh, if I never spent any time with her, then our marriage would be terrible. Yep. Right. And so, in fact, there it probably there wouldn't be a marriage. And mm-hmm. so, in the same way, a relationship with Christ, a relationship with God, 
begins on the understanding of just spending time with him, pour, pouring our heart out to him, div, diving into his word um, and serving his people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the one of the verses I can easily just think of and go to is, is James one five. And it's like, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. And then in the, the very next verse after that, he says um, that let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so for the listener, for the, for the one that maybe is, is, is aware of, of kind of the, the high and lofty expectation of faith, I, I, I charge you and I challenge you to ask God for faith because mm-hmm. in the same way that, that we have the ability in Christ to ask for wisdom who gives generously, we, we also can ask God for faith because God hear me, he, he wants to grant us faith. He, he wants to give us faith, yeah. right? Those are good gifts that God wants to give. Um, and, I, and I think the last thing that I can put it for in parable form is just uh, Luke 18, uh, verse 1. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart, right? To ask for, I think faith is a good one here, to pray and ask for faith. He said in verse 2, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not bear me down, beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will, de- will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do, do you see what he's doing there? He's saying that in the same way that, uh, that an unrighteous judge will grant the re- request because he, he's been bothered, so the righteous judge, God, will grant to his people righteous things that they ask for. And so if, if you ask for, again, justice here, God will grant justice to his elect. And in the same way, if, if you ask for faith, if you ask for wisdom, God is, is generous and will grant you faith. And so really, uh, that's my challenge and my, and my encouragement for you is that don't ever forget that we in Christ have the ability to ask God for those things because he cares enough and, and deeply to grant us with faith. Because again, we mentioned this, but faith is the trust and the dependence, not just in, in something, yeah. but on, in, 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 on God himself. Yeah. He, he wants to grant us faith. If only we would just ask him, will he find faith on earth? That's good. Hey, thanks for, thanks for joining Ethan. I know it was a last second call. Sure. Uh, yeah. it's fun having you. So yeah. you're always welcome in here. Okay. You know, thank you, Caleb, for all the the godly wisdom for the people out there. Uh, <laughs> hey, thank thank you for the the godly wisdom too. Thank yeah. you, Ethan. Yeah, man. Always, always. We'll see you guys this Sunday. Guys event signups coming up. Hey, Ooh, guys event. We'll see you guys there. Gals event. Mm-hmm. Yeah.